Hi friends, I'm Lauren. And I'm Katie, and welcome to OK, But Did You Know? A podcast where we talk about the TV and media that we love with a friend who's never seen it before. Today we're recapping and chatting about Once Upon a Time, episode 113, What Happened to Frederick? This episode aired on February 19th, 2012. It was directed by Dean White and was written by David H. Goodman. Now, before we go into our chaos, and I'm certain this episode will be chaos, uh, let's go over our synopsis for the episode. In the Enchanted Forest. In an attempt to run away from his arranged marriage, Charming is caught by his betrothed, who has no desire to marry him either, for her heart also belongs to another who was taken from her long ago. She tells Charming that water from a mythical lake could return him, and he agrees to help her in exchange for safe passage out of the kingdom. But first, he must battle the siren who guards the lake. In his battle, he realizes that his love must be fought for, and after he reunites Abigail with her love, he's off to find his own. And in Storybrooke, with news that Catherine plans to leave Storybrooke for law school in Boston, David realizes he must finally make a choice between his duty and where his heart has led him. He and Mary Margaret agree to finally come clean, but in the end, he's too cowardly. Despite his attempts to shield Catherine from their affair, the truth comes out when Regina shows her the picture Sidney had taken of them. After a public confrontation at Mary Margaret's school, Catherine realizes she's been too harsh on them, and follows through on her plans to go to Boston alone. Or at least she tries to. Meanwhile, Emma learns a bit more about our mysterious stranger, and something lost to her found its way home. Henry's storybook. I'm so happy I know what happened to Frederick. <laughs> Katie finally knows what happened to Frederick. So did you find it to be underwhelming, or did you find it to be satisfying after this many weeks? Um... Kind of in the middle. Okay, that's fair. You, you can't ask a bisexual to make a decision. I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you can't. Um, Kind kind of in the middle. I should know better. You should know better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you definitely should know better. Um, <laughs> This one was a roller coaster, though. Like, oh my goodness. It was. Yeah. So much. All in one. They did cram a lot into this episode, I will say. I have to start with the fact, though, that I like Abigail more than I like Catherine. Oh, no, that's absolutely fair. Like, yeah. Especially once, like, they give her personality. (laughs) To be fair, Catherine still kind of has none. And my other line that I have to start with as well is uh, when she says, really? With the middle initial? I'm like, ma'am, he's an author. August W. Booth. Like, Uh, his name is actually a reference. Yeah, her line of really? With the middle initial? The W's for Wayne. Our stranger's name is August W. Booth. Yes, with the middle initial. The W is for Wayne. He is named after Wayne Booth, who is a literary critic who coined the phrase, the unreliable narrator. Really? Yes. And August is the eighth month of the year, and eight is a very important number on Lost. So that's August W. Booth. That's where his name comes from. This show is going to make me watch Lost. There's, they put in, I think... I was going to say they they put in less Lost references as the show goes on, but I don't know how true that is because I haven't <laughs> seen Lost either. So other than knowing that other actors are forthcoming, I don't really know when it comes to references. I'm now questioning if people are going to try to get us to watch Lost as well due to the same writers. They're probably going to tell us we have to, which probably. to be fair, can't be a premise for this show because neither of us have seen it. No, that'd be a whole nother type of series for us. <laughs> We'd have to take turns. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, can she, can she leave for law school? Like how, I thought they couldn't leave Storybrooke and I need answers. Well, you've seen the episode. She doesn't. She doesn't, but she kept talking about it. And I'm like, but can you, 
Can you actually? They don't know that. Well, Catherine said at some point that she always felt like this intense fear or some reason why she couldn't leave Storybrooke. And now she kind of feels like whatever's been holding her back has just been rubbed away, which could be a factor of Emma being there and the curse kind of weakening that makes her think she can leave. Mm-hmm. But um, as we see, she, she can't do that. Her nope. car just goes off the road. Where did she go? I'm not telling you. Okay. I've given up trying to be like, tell me. Like, I'm not going to keep trying. It's not happening. I don't, I don't reveal things unless I know they aren't plot relevant. Well, just, just, I just, I haven't even broken out like the DVDs either that I borrowed from the library either. Cause you're like, don't watch these. And I'm like, okay, I'll be good. Yeah. Well, you can, if you want to, you can watch the pilot and you can watch 7.15 AM with the commentary. Cause I don't mm-hmm. believe there were any spoilers in there. Um, it's been a while since I watched the pilot with commentary, but I don't think they talked about it too much. And if there is a massive spoiler, the DVD will tell you there are spoilers. Please watch the whole collection first, which is what yeah. happened before Skin Deep. Which is funny because you went live again today on your once account and uh, uh-huh. t- TikTok lied to me because I didn't join and I lost my member status uh, because I no longer join your lives, but I no longer join your lives because TikTok tried to spoil once upon a time for me. So, yes, it did. Okay. Mm-hmm. David. Oh, this man. You could have just said, like, just tell the truth. Yeah. What is it that I've been saying is that in his trying to not hurt anyone, he ends up hurting everyone. His indecisiveness, his indecisiveness, is ultimately his downfall. And he, even I think, even he says that, or someone, uh, he says it to Mary Margaret, and she goes, and now everyone is hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, well, especially Mary Margaret's face. That bitch slap, man. <laughs> Dude, I'm just sitting here typing my line. Like the when during the scene, I'm just going, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. She slapped her in the middle of the school in all caps. And uh-huh. then and then I wrote, okay, I get the anger, but in her place of work? Yeah, well, again, this is the thing of, like, I don't think you could just walk into a school while school is in session. No. Nope. Um, maybe don't confront. There is a, there's a line here, like, when, like, Mary Marker tries to get them to go into somewhere a little more private, and she goes, why should I give you any consideration when you've shown none for me? Because you're surrounded by children. To be fair, Catherine doesn't know that Mary Margaret told him he had to tell the truth. She doesn't know this. So we'll have that little dramatic irony moment, but maybe not in front of children. There were a lot of kids. Then rumors, Mm -hmm. rumors run fast. Oh yeah. Especially in a small town. So you just went to Comic-Con. So you'll probably, you'll probably understand what I'm, what I mean by this line. I now want a billowing cape. Why did we ever stop wearing them? (laughs) I will say that you don't see that many capes in Comic-Con only because they're kind of, it's such a condensed space. Yeah. They're kind of a walking hazard. Because whenever I think of capes, I just think of um, the Incredibles with no capes. I think of Hobbits. Mm, That's fair. You don't see that. I don't think we saw that many Hobbits or any. That is sad. There should be lots of Hobbits. I don't think I saw any Lord of the Rings cosplayers. I wasn't looking that closely at cosplays this year, I'll be honest, though. Like, I'll just go finally go with you one year, and I'll be your hobbit. Okay, sounds good. I like the Lady of the Lake, and yes, I'm calling her that. Yeah, that's fair. She's the siren, I think, is basically what she's credited as. But, um, I like her, and then Jennifer? Uh, who? Huh. She was good in that scene, and I do admit the CGI uh, of turning the blonde into Ginny was very good. I, um, I did not pause it. I was good. But, um... <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm at a loss for words. Just remembering this scene. 
my main my main note from that scene was uh congratulations you're the first yeah yeah <laughs> jumps can you imagine filming that apparently Ginny hated the underwater scenes oh no the only inkling I have about this is because, um, especially when I said this during the Skin Deep episode wh- about people made comments when they mentioned Ariel, Ginny very specifically said, can I not be in the Little Mermaid episode? Because she hated filming that scene. She's very heavily featured in the Little Mermaid episode. Oh no! <laughs> Poor Ginny. She doesn't, I don't think she's the one swimming. I think anytime Snow, I think we see her in the water once. She's not underwater. I think they thought underwater CGI might be a bit much for them. Mm-hmm. So I think we see Ginny's head popping up out of like the water in that situation. But if you see snow swimming, it's not Ginny. would be my guess. Am I not suitable for line from that scene that I'm just like, oh God, when she says, I know you want it. I know you want to. I can feel it. I just went, um, what you feeling there? Are you feeling it now, Mr. Krabs? <laughs> There is never a wrong time for that reference. There is never. You, I'm going to have to go back and find all of the Spongebob references that have happened thus far. I am, I don't know. They just come to me. I can't explain it. Regina was not happy about those letters. No, she wasn't. But the keys came back. This The skeleton keys did come back. This is one episode. This one also in kind of skin deep. Regina is a little more featured then kind of her deus ex evil moment times like she she has like a real relevance to the plot she's not just she's not just there to pop in and say something mean and walk away so do give her that um as opposed to like it's 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 somewhere between deus ex evil moment and like a regina episode like it's a good yeah you get a good smattering of her smattering that's a good word um and then of course i just ended off with all caps where did she go but i won't know that you will not know where, where she went for who knows how long. Uh, someone knows how long. <laughs> <laughs> I love my co-host. I love my co-host. I love my co-host. I love my job. I love my job. I love my job. I know exactly when uh, Catherine comes back and when it gets revealed what happened to her. And I can't say anything because, um, you know what? Actually, I'm going to say this. If she comes back. What? I'm just going to make stuff extra complicated for you. Damn it. Okay. If she comes back. So what you got for me? <laughs> um, I mean, something I said uh, in, I think it was the Fruit of the Poisons Tree episode. I mm-hmm. loved seeing a shift in Jennifer, in, not Jennifer, in, um, I loved seeing a shift in Mary Margaret. Kind of as the affair is happening, she's kind of opening mm-hmm. up again. Uh, and kind of being, we see a little bit more of Snow, and that's very indicative in her first exchange with Emma in the beginning of the episode, which is a scene that I have memorized. <laughs> this is the last one for a while. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Yeah, I took a, I took a break for a while, but um, when Emma comes back in, obviously after she has her encounter with uh, with August, and I can now use his name. I don't need to call him the stranger anymore, thank God, because I kept almost using his name, and I'm like, wait, nope, you don't know what it is yet. Well, see, so yeah, I don't I don't know his name, but now I do. No, now you do. His name is August. Um, when she walks in, and uh, Mary Margaret just goes, "No, who's that? I don't know yet, yet." So you're going to find out. It's nothing. Nothing with you means something because if it were nothing, we wouldn't be talking about it. I'm sorry. I thought you called me here to talk about you. Yeah, but talking about you is easier right now. 
Why? What is it? What's going on? Remember when you told me to stay away from David and I agreed? Yes, I didn't. Yeah, I know. You do? How? Because I'm sheriff and you are a lovesick school teacher. Covering your tracks is not exactly your strong suit. Well, I've been just discreet. Two teacups in the sink. New perfume. Late nights. Plunging necklines. It was not hard to connect the dots. Plunging. When I met you, you were a top-button kind of girl. Huh. Why didn't you say anything? I'm not your mother. No. According to Henry, I'm yours. <laughs> it's it's that even Emma's clocking it. Like her wardrobe and her wardrobe is different. Like plunging mm-hmm. necklines is like it, it's an exaggeration. Maybe she's going like slightly below the collarbone compared to the beginning of the of the show. The beginning of the season, she was all the way up to the neck. Every time that line though, like that line, just made me very much go uh, remind me of the whole nun thing. Mm-hmm. Like the whole time, I'm just like. Y'all really were gonna go with this. <laughs> yeah. They like poking fun at the things that they've just like dropped off the uh, off the face of the earth. And with August too, the whole thing of, you know, Emma supposedly supposed to go on a date, all those things. I, I could mm-hmm. I, I I could not help it. I laughed so hard when Granny's if you don't know if you don't, I will. I was like, get him, Granny. Get him. Get it, Granny. Get it. I love Beverly Elliott. She's so she's so good with the comedic timing. She's so funny. It was amazing. We'll see a little bit more of her comedy in two episodes. <gasps> Yay. Yeah. Cause in this episode, like she's pretty much she she does that first thing of like, you know, if if yeah, if you don't I will, but then she gets a little judgy towards the end. Yeah, her her the what she said to Mary Margaret, I was just like, Granny? Granny. Granny. But then uh she she comes around in the in the next episode. And then we'll see a bit we'll see a little bit more of her uh in one fifteen. Yay. Oh, that's why. Okay. <laughs> I was I was looking at the names of the episodes. I was like, never mind. I figured it out. <laughs> nope. Now you know why. <laughs> now I know why. 115, otherwise known as red-handed. <laughs> I think we know what that's about. I think we have. I actually have a fandom story time for that episode. <gasps> kind mm. of. Not fandom, more so just my life. Oh, look, I just found out that there are, there is fan fiction in the mm-hmm. world of my favorite series, and I am teetering the edge of wanting to try and read it because but then i tell myself in just a few more weeks i will have a new book i don't have to do that yeah probably hold off i think i'm gonna hold off i think it's a good idea i apparently invented a ship (gasps) not really i didn't really invent it it's a ship that like i definitely wrote in the rp fandom i mean i'm still reeling after spoon queen yeah (laughs) spoon queen (laughs) but the ship it didn't have a tag before i had to make it it's not AO3. I, I recognize this line is poetic. I wrote this one down. Um when he when uh Charming says to Abigail, one of us should have our one of us should have our happiness. And if you die, neither of us will. Don't you understand? If I succeed, you'll be reunited with Frederick. And if I fail, the misery that ends will be mine. Very poetic. Also deeply depressing. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Cause he's like he's like, if I succeed, you get your love back, and if I fail, I die. I will say the acting was very interesting through the uh, fantasy side as mm-hmm. well. The whole time I was like, this is very dramatic. Yeah. Because considering he was literally just trying, at the beginning of the episode, he's just trying to run away. Because mm-hmm. I did update this in your timeline. The events of this episode are between uh, the last scene of Snow and Charming in 7.15am and that very, very last scene in 7.15am when he reaches Red Riding Hood. Mm-hmm. Because we see that again at the end of this episode. So I, because I remember I wrote down at one point in this, I think I might have even deleted it. I was like, 
didn't he already go find Red? What's going on here? And then I we see the scene again at the end. So this happens between two scenes in 17 a.m. See, this is why I have you, so I can just look at the timeline. <laughs> exactly. I've made a timeline for Katie so she can follow along, and I make notes of these events of this episode happen concurrently with other things. So, um, did you notice the gym teacher we saw in um in the the school scene before the bitch slap? Does he look familiar? I don't think I noticed him. Catherine walks right by Frederick or his cursed persona. Oh, shit. Oh, that yeah. is. Wait a minute. That is him. Mm-hmm. Because he's also the guy that finds her car at the end. He is. I remember. I noticed that that was him at the end. I definitely- yeah, well, because that's, that's the thing. It's like you wouldn't know at that point because you hadn't seen his face yet. But that's the big reveal when he gets, you know, we can talk about what happened to Frederick now. But when he gets saved, he takes the helmet off. He is the gym teacher. She just brushes. She bumps into as she walks towards Mary Margaret. I was so focused on the bitch slap. I know. It's a good scene, though. It is a good scene. But yeah, so she walks right past him. So what happened to Frederick? Shall we chat about that real quick before I go off in the rest of my notes? Frederick got touched. He got touched. So the line that this episode is a reference to is the line from 106 when Mm -hmm. a guard is taking off Midas's gauntlet. And he says very hushly to him, be careful. Remember what happened to Frederick. What happened was Frederick was there. I think she says their caravan got ambushed and Frederick, you know, pushed Midas to safety. But in, in doing so, he touched, he got touched by his hand and turned to gold where he stood. So he has just been frozen as a golden statue this entire time. And the, apparently True Love's kiss isn't working because the gold's getting in the way. Well, the helmet. The helmet, but also he's solid gold. Yeah. He's not stuck. He's not stuck in a hel- Like he'd be dead if he was just stuck in a golden suit of armor yeah he, he himself is just solid gold so the only thing that they've decided can save him now is the water from lake nostos which we do see a couple times oh cool do yeah. i get uh, wait no he killed her never mind oh do you, are you asking if you get more siren no you don't get more siren. no i had to remind myself <laughs> <laughs> she she did she did but nostos apparently is ancient greek for homecoming which is the root where we get the word nostalgia from Really? hmm I like learning. Learning is fun. <laughs> That's most of what we do here. <laughs> we learn about fun facts. I've got a whole bunch of fun facts this episode that we can go I'm over later. I'm really excited. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I, I, I got a lot of fun fun facts out of this, I will say. But yeah, so now, now Katie finally has her curiosity sated of she knows what happened to Frederick. I love that the next episode is called Dreamy, though, because only one thing comes to my mind when I see the word dreamy, and that's mm-hmm. Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so, th- okay, Grey's Anatomy keeps coming back here. I'm so sorry. I know. It's okay. Sadly, no Patrick Dempsey. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm trying to think. 2012. That was what, like, season seven? Patrick Dempsey's okay, but I really didn't like his character. It's been so long since I've watched it with him. He was such a jerk to, to Meredith. He was. Like. Meredith deserved better. All of the women on that show deserved better than the men they were paired with. It was actually really hard for me to watch once Christina was gone. She's my mm-hmm. favorite. But also I'm Sandra O. Oh. Sandra O. Oh. And if I told you this, I saw a clip on TikTok one time of someone. She was at a panel, I think, doing something for Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. And someone started asking a question about the character of Eve um, and I think they, they they say something about Eve as a straight woman, and Sandra O oh just goes, "No." I've only seen so much of Killing Eve. I'm I think about halfway through. I keep okay. forgetting but, it exists. 
That's fair. It's just the assertion of, like, as a straight woman, and she just goes, no. No. <laughs> not Character not straight. Like, the entire point of what I've seen so far of Killing Eve is no. Yeah. That's that's fair. That's accurate. Wait, have you finished? I haven't seen the last season. I've seen the first three, though. Okay. I think I'm on season three. Okay. So that's another one we can discuss one day. I'm excited. So the spray paint on Mary Margaret's car... The fact that Regina did it is just hilarious to me. Yes. It's like the, that, that reveal, like, it should be dramatic. It just makes me laugh is there's just a random spray paint can in her office. I did pick up on that, but I'm just kind of like, Regina, why? <laughs> I know. It's like, we're being dramatic here, babe. Just calm down. But for some reason, I wrote this down. I remembered it. I remembered it saying whore for some reason. But to be fair, Tramp is more Once Upon a Time friendly. I was about to say, I think that one's a little bit more family friendly. I don't think that would fit Sundays at 8 o'clock on ABC. No, which is funny. I, I DNF'd a book today because they kept saying that word. Oh, really? Well, what's, fun- what's really funny is the fandom for some reason has decided collectively or had decided collectively that Regina didn't like cursing. Like that was something that came up a lot in a lot of RP oh. stuff. Yet, I think Regina might curse the most out of everyone on the show. That's hilarious. Like, I think she says, like, hell and crap, like, more often than anyone. Maybe it's the aesthetic. Maybe. But what's what's really funny, I was even, I just, I'm going now and we're now just going on cursing uh, tangents. The Paley Fest event that I keep pulling stuff from. Um, there, This is something that I, because I've watched it recently, I, I now have this information. Um, the moderator says something like he's like he's he means to say like holy shit but he jokingly says holy disney friendly expletive and jennifer morrison goes you should see the expletives in our script they are not disney friendly i need to see this oh my goodness i really wish the pdf of the pilot script has finally been taken down i got it for our first episode but i went to go look back for it again it's not there anymore why i don't know because probably whoever put it up realized they probably shouldn't i don't know i mean came in handy I know it came in handy for like for for us for one last time, but I would love to see those expletives because she's like you see the variations on these expletives. It's very creative. <laughs> like I want to see this, but because it's because be fair. Well, I mean, with the exception of I guess Jared Gilmore, only adults are seeing them. Like if it's the stage, it's probably like the stage direction or like you know interiors yeah. or like something along the lines of like it's really fucking cold outside. It's probably something someone wrote something along those lines. I mean, so. it is where they are. <laughs> it is they are in Canada. I'd love to see that forest one day, though. Honestly, I want to see it in yeah. person so mm-hmm. bad. Supposedly, it's beautiful. Do they have like cabins up there? I'll get my passport. Probably. I wouldn't. It's it's like a national park, I think. A national Canadian park, which means it's much nicer than the national parks in the United States. I was about to say, I would love to go do that. Oh my god! All right, that's now a, a life goal. So this was one of my, my funny notes, and this is like, I really hope you get the reference. I did change one of the words to make it a little more exciting. Okay. But it's it's the scene where Mary Margaret and David are kind of having their final thing before she's like, you know, we can't we, we can't keep doing this to mm-hmm. your, each other and our and, and ourselves. I wrote down, we love a man who's in touch with his emotions and can cry, but you done fucked up, a Aaron. <laughs> yep. That is the, I mean, that's the only <laughs> thing that came to mind. I'm going to apologize for the way I just laughed. I couldn't help I am it. I am going to, I am going to, I will edit that somehow so you can still hear it. Because 
I'm so sorry, but you said it, and that's just how my body reacted. That's the only thing. I'm like, obviously, obviously we, we add a, a little more colorful language there. Yeah. But, you know, it fits. But I, I put in all caps in my notes, though, David, stop being a bitch. So I think it works. I think it's fine. A through line in this episode that I kind of didn't quite catch until this viewing, because we're still in that point where I haven't, like, I, I've never watched this episode at, the, at this rate yet, is the, the water through line. Because you've got Lake Nostos, you've got the Wishing Well, which is kind of meant to be Storybrooke's version of Lake Nostos. Oh, okay. Um, and I did actually write down uh, what what the plaque said. Oh. Because, you know, he's, when he said that, you know, he wanted to take her for a drink. And, you know, water technically counts as a drink. Even though I, I also wrote down, maybe don't drink public well water. I don't think that's sanitary. Oh, do I have a story for you? Oh, lovely. <laughs> No, there's this place from where I'm from that there's like a spigot. It's a public spigot that creek water, like a spring. They say it's spring water. It's like it's coming off of a natural spring that uh-huh. people from where I'm from will stop and fill up jugs upon jugs upon jugs and take it home and drink it. Lo- a local like a scientist, somebody tested the water. They should not be drinking it. But no. people swear it has healing abilities. There you go. No, they so. shouldn't be drinking. They shouldn't be drinking this water. Um, the plaque on um, on the wishing well when he point when like when he says he's he knows all this information and Emma makes like you know you know an awful lot about this about this town for uh for being new and he goes I know all this for one simple reason I read the plaque. <laughs> so the, the plaque reads: For centuries, local legend has claimed that mystical waters run beneath this great land. It is said that these waters possess the power to return that which is lost to its rightful place. If you have lost something precious to you, drink from this well and bear witness to this miracle, as what is missing shall be returned. That's going to come up again. Which is basically the same as Lake Nostos. Like, it's, that's going to come know, up again, though, right? The connection between the well and Lake Nostos will come up again, yes. Okay, that's what I'm like. That's where I'm at. I'm like, this feels like this is going to come up again the way that's worded. Yeah, but that came up again in this episode because drink from this well and bear witness to the miracle of that uh, which is missing shall be returned. What is returned to Emma by way of water at the end of the episode? Wait, was it the book? Yeah. Wait a minute. Man! To be fair, we know in the behind the, we, we know the behind the scenes aspect that August did this on purpose. He had her drink yeah. from the well and then he planted the, the book again. But I, that's something that I only picked up on this time that like that, that's the correlation is he's I mean, I, we all know. Maybe that's why I didn't pick up on it. Maybe like it's it's very obvious that he's pulling the strings because we see him earlier in the episode adding something to the book. Or- what was he doing to the book? He was adding a story. He was adding a story? Yeah, which is why it's odd as to why he's... Um, altering more pages than he needs for just one like the one signature that's that's the story he's adding but he adds something to the book you'll find out what what that is at a later date but he did add something to the story because the the whole time i'm just kind of sitting there like what is he doing to the book yeah i don't know enough about book binding to know if what he was doing made any sense but (laughs) yeah same i it didn't make any sense what i was seeing and what i have seen of book binding that didn't make sense so Mm. but then again dependent i think it's dependent on the type of book yeah there's a large book (laughs) the way he was binding it made sense i think but i'm not i'm not really sure yeah um but that was the through line which actually ironically and i i didn't pick up on this this was from the wiki and you really need to look very closely for this kind of minute detail when Emma goes to pick up the box at the very end that has the uh, that has the book in it, we can see her license plate, which has her registration sticker on it. 
which shows uh, December 2011. As this episode is after Skin Deep, which means it's after Valentine's Day, that means her registration is at least two months overdue. <laughs> and she's the sheriff. And she's the sheriff. And her car isn't registered in the correct state because she no longer lives in Massachusetts. So I don't, I don't think her plates ever change, which now that I'm thinking about it, is not good for future seasons. But like, she's also in Storybrooke where time moves weirdly. Yeah, I'm going to stop talking because I would go Damn off on it. something. Because there's no reason that she should have Massachusetts plates in a few years. Um, okay, <laughs> We're going to stop there. We're going to stop there. I'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but again, with fun facts of having to do with the various lakes I said before about Lake Nostos, um, one of the offerings that you can see on the, uh, like the shrine to the siren um, is a pomegranate, which is another Greek mythology reference. Yes, it is. I know that one. I like it. I like that they dropped those in there. I don't really know if you would sacrifice pomegranates to sirens, but Persephone um, works just fine. Yeah. I don't think Persephone's got much to do with sirens. I don't think so. Sirens, for those who don't know, are creatures that are half bird, half woman, who lured sailors to destruction by the sweetness of their song and their voice. So in Once Upon a Time's case, you know, not so much the sweetness of her voice, but more so the sweetness of her words and what she can do to lure the unsuspecting. Yeah. I think to their depths within like greek mythology there's like an island of sirens and most people equate sirens to like mermaids and i'm like no they're like what you said half bird they're they're, they look different they don't look like that no sorry yeah i think most people when they think of sirens they probably i mean if they think of greek mythology they think of um of the odyssey yes um and if they don't think of greek mythology they probably think of starbucks oh yeah the logo is a siren it's meant to be a siren meant to be i don't I don't get a lot of Starbucks. No, it's, it's fair. Also, I, I, I meant to say this earlier because we kind of did our August W. Booth thing very early. August is played by Ian Bailey, for those who are curious. He's got a semi-decent um, IMDb. He had quite a bit of stuff. Uh, things people would know him most likely from would be Fight Club, ER, and Almost Famous. Yeah, definitely Fight Club. Yeah. That's where I remembered him from. Mm-hmm. I was just he does he's a very good actor so I really do see him oh, as yeah. a strange author uh, August like yeah. that's how I see him I haven't really thought too much on like who plays him I know yeah he's he's, he's very good in he's his very role good. He's, so, he, he's so good at it his character August is he's the epitome of like the pretentious literary author that you think of and this is going to sound kind of mean but I only mean this honestly for about a few people he's very similar to a lot of the authors that Jennifer Morrison interviews on her podcast no. It's a similar mentality. Um, uh, I think the real people are a little more humble. Oh, I've got to go listen now. But like, because she's one, like her podcast, I've never read any of the books. I probably will never read any of the books. Um, but I like the way that she talks to the authors. And I like the questions that she asks and the conversations that they mm-hmm. have because, like about writing and about story structure. Um, so that's why I listen to it. Not because I've read any of the books or ever will. But does she run like a book club or? Yeah. Okay. See, I think I don't know if I would ever read the books either, but I'm also I'm a fantasy girly. Like, well, the book that she's featuring on the podcast on the on at the end of this month uh, is not even out yet. Oh, okay. So, I think maybe it comes out next Tuesday. Okay, or it just came out. One of the two, either it just came out or it's not out yet. Either one way. of those. Yeah. So, shall we do some stats? Sure. All right. So I gave this eight for plot. I think mm-hmm. it was a good story. Um, some of it kind of just, I don't know, the cheating. I was like, the cheating just kept, it, it's been getting on my nerves for a while. 
I'm like, why yeah. is this still ongoing? Now that it's like thankfully finally over, I like that we got mm-hmm. this big climax with that and everything. But yeah. it felt like it was dragging. I think with the cheating aspect of it, I, I I'm just I'm gonna give the writers the benefit of the doubt. And to be fair, I think most of the fandom does kind of interpret it this way. Is that from a dramatic irony perspective, we know that they're really married. Yeah. At this point. Because their affair doesn't start until after we know that the curse is real. That's true. Like, you've got the lingering feelings here and there kind of thing, mm-hmm. but the affair really doesn't start until 7.15 a.m. And by then we know the curse is real. That's fair. So there, there is that, it's the dramatic irony thing of we know that they're really married and David's not really married to Catherine, but they don't. So it's how do you consolidate the two? Um, I gave also an eight for character. I like the characters in this. Like, it's not mm-hmm. terrible. Yeah. Um, and just a seven for personal. Like, it's not, like, my favorite episode I've watched. But mm-hmm. solid 23. I don't think it's that bad. It was enjoyable. Um, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed the episode. It wasn't bad or anything. Just mm-hmm. not, you know, not beating the beast. <laughs> not beating the beast. Yeah. It's a little bit of Midas. It's a little bit of Greek mythology. It's... Setting us up for what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. Um, this one, I gave it an eight for plot also, just because it's it's moving a lot more forward, I think, in Storybrooke than it is in the Enchanted Forest, especially yes. because it's set between two scenes that we've already seen. So we know how it ends up. We know it ends with him deciding to go after Snow. And like, even though at the very beginning, he's very much still like, I'm just I'm going to let her go, but I can't I can't marry you because I don't love you anyway. That, that really his entire motivation throughout the episode is that he's before, beforehand. He's not going after Snow. He is quite literally just running away because he doesn't want to marry someone he doesn't love. With respect. Oh, yeah. But um, I think the plot moves a little bit more forward, especially with um, in the Storybook arc, because the affair kind of comes to its natural conclusion. And then the very end is what happens with Catherine. <laughs> um, I gave it I'll, I'll do my lowest score last. I gave it a nine for personal because, quite frankly, it's it's still an enjoyable episode. I have a lot. Of, I like watching uh the the charming and siren snow scene as well yeah it's a uh, i have eyes i have eyes <laughs> I, I can see it oh, i gave yeah. it a six i gave it a six for character oh so ultimately I, I gave it the same score as you did i gave it a 23 my thing with character is again i think it's because the enchanted forest arc is very much it's it's self-contained because we know what ends. We know how this, the, his kind of suicidal endeavors end. We know how they're going to end. Yeah. And I say that because I mentioned the line earlier is he was fully okay with dying. So we know how that's going to end is he's going to, he's going to live and he's going to go off because we are seeing us a, a bit between two episodes that we've seen. This is another thing I think I've talked about in other rewatches where things that should be high stakes end up not being high stakes because mm-hmm. at a certain, you, you, as adults, we understand that like they're not killing off a main character at this point, especially with David. He clearly doesn't die at the hands of the siren because we see him in Storybrooke. Yeah. It's like things that should be high stakes end up not being high stakes if you just look too closely. Like you know they're gonna go, it's gonna go somewhat well because he's yeah. alive. Yeah. Um, but I think especially with the Storybrooke stuff of Snow and Charming, especially because the episode is kind of focused around them. Their characters don't do a whole lot to move forward, especially David taking five million steps backwards. So, like, yeah. there is, like, yes, I'm very proud of Mary Margaret for doing what she needed to do. I think that's why it gets a six and not like a zero. <laughs> right. Um, I know episodes in the future that are getting zeros for certain for certain uh, certain categories, 
but uh, this is not one of them. I don't think season one has any zero categories, but um, it does. It just it, no one moves forward really in that situation. Mm-mm. So it just kind of it's just kind of bleh, just such a great way of phrasing these things. We just kind of bleh. 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 you have to have the but, hand um, motion with it. <laughs> You can't see what I'm doing. I'm now making Rumpelstiltskin jokes. I was about to say, she's doing all the Rumpelstiltskin hand movements. Hello, dearies. <laughs> I haven't done any major Rumpelstiltskin voice for you, I don't think. Because the I, I do have his whole spiel from the pilot memorized. I didn't do that in our episode about the pilot, though. Oh, my. You know, the queen has created a powerful curse. And it's coming. Soon you'll all be in a prison. Just like me, only worse. Your prison. All of our prisons will be time. The time will stop. And we'll be trapped someplace horrible where everything we hold dear, everything we love, will be ripped from us while we suffer for all eternity. While the queen celebrates victorious at last. (laughs) No more happy endings. (laughs) I will say, I I get this a lot, and it's actually really fun. Because I get this um, in real life, Lauren, not podcast Lauren as well. (laughs) Lauren just does this. Well, Lauren has Lauren has promised. Lauren has promised that uh, the episode where this character, the character that this voice is, um, is introduced. And should I give you a hint? Is my question now. Oh my. Mm. Let's see. What what line of hers won't give anything away? You really don't know who I am, do you? Oh damn it! (laughs) There we go. So I promised the episode. So the episode that that line is from. I promised. Because to be fair, she gets introduced very briefly at the end of one episode, but she's really she's not fully fe- fe- like featured until the next episode, which is three thirteen. I've promised for you all, lovely listeners, and Katie, who I'm sure will be very focused throughout the entirety of that episode. I'm be so distracted. Um, I promised that I would record the entire episode with this voice. So look forward to that when we talk about episode three thirteen, Witch Hunt. That's so far away. It's very far away. Um, but yeah, so back to my point of no one moves <laughs> forward in this episode. <laughs> I gave it a, a six for character, giving it a total of 23. So we got the same score, just a different way different of configurations. Yeah, Different configurations. This is kind of a lull portion of the season for me, thinking back to the way that I used to um, score things. Um, we're going to see a bit of a dip in a few episodes. Uh, sorry, a bit, a bit of a, a peak in a few episodes, but it's going to dip for a little bit. Like not nothing that I'm not enjoying to the point where I wouldn't I I would skip it, um. But you know, not not my highest. That's fair. Thank you all for listening. Join us next time when we discuss Bob's Burgers season three episode one, Earsy Writer, and episode two, Full Bars. Don't forget to like, rate, and follow the podcast wherever you listen, so you can be notified every time we publish a new episode. And follow us at obdyk underscore pod on Instagram and TikTok. This has been an episode of OK, But Did You Know? A TV and media podcast. It was hosted by Lauren and Katie and edited by Lauren.